Thanks for tuning in to the Foundry Church Podcast, where our mission is to make disciples by guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God. Our Christian walk is a marathon, and it takes discipline. This week, Pastor Andrew reminds us what it looks like to become forged on the gospel and encourages us to keep pressing in. Make sure to take your forged assessment by downloading our app. You can find it by clicking the link in the show notes or by searching in your app store, The Foundry Burke. That's Burke. B-U-R-K-E in your app store. Also, I would like to note that we were having some technical issues during this recording, so there's a slight gap in the sermon around minute 23, but the gist of the message is, you guessed it, Jesus. It's always Jesus. God bless. Hey, so this week I was uh, recently reminded of a game that I used to play back in high school and in college, and it was called Spoons. Does anyone know what that game is? You remember that game? All right, now here's how it goes. You are all in a circle, you're around a table, and, and there's a line of spoons right in the middle of the table. There's enough spoons for everybody in the game standing around the table except for one person. It's kind of like musical chairs. All right, and so as the, the game is being played, each person gets four cards, and the goal is to get four of a kind and be the first person to grab a spoon out of the middle of the table. Now listen, once, once this game is being played, each person is, is really kind of getting into it. And once, once you get that, that four, right, you, you just go for the spoon, Right, the, the person who is the, the slowest to grab the spoon is out, and the next round begins with one less person and one less spoon. That's kind of just how it, it breaks down. Right? Now, I don't want you to judge me. I know it sounds like a horrible game, but I went to a, a small college in a small town. There was not a lot of entertainment around. <laughs> So here's the thing, when I first heard about this game, it sounded innocent enough and like an easy, non-stressful way to pass the time. And so one night, I was invited to play, and I said, sure, and I stood around this table. The first round began, right? And we just slowly kind of started passing the cards from one player to the next, right? And then it happened, It was crazy, right? A person in a circle before me gets four of a kind, and they grab that first spoon. And what happened next, I can only describe as part zombie apocalypse, part Red Dawn, part WWE Smackdown, before they implemented safety rules, right? It was insane, right? Foundry, there were people flying across the table, chairs were being thrown, one girl put another girl in a chokehold, right? One of my big friends was crying for his mom over in the corner, right? It was a bloodbath, Foundry Church. Right, I savages, we were barely even human. Right, and I just stood there. I just stood there looking around with shock in my eyes. Right, what, we, what had we become? 
in a matter of seconds, mere seconds, right? What game were we even playing at this point? And was the person who won at spoons really the person who got the first spoon each time? Or was winning at spoons getting out of the game with all of your limbs still attached? Right, seriously, I had to ask myself uh, this question, how do you win this game? Right, how do you win this game? Now, have you, ever, how, have you ever felt like that? Now, I know that that's a, a silly example, right? Have you ever felt like when you were, you were playing checkers when the rest of the world was playing chess? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You, you've had that feeling, right? Have you ever felt like the rest of the world was, a, was wrestling in a, that WWE SmackDown and you're just one of those announcers on the side of the ring hoping that you don't get called into the, the ring to wrestle? Right, you've been in, we've been in a series the last few weeks here at the Foundry Church where we're talking about taking enemy ground. And I have to admit, sometimes as we're fighting this battle against the enemy of all enemies, sometimes it feels like even though we have our mission, like we talked about two weeks ago, Right, this, this great commission from God, right? we have our mission, we have our strategy, how, how are we going to do it, Right? Right? We have those things. We're holding on to those things. We might even try to be really proclaiming and lifting those things up in our lives, but we're still not sure how to win. Right? Sometimes it, feel like, it feels like I have no power and everyone else is getting the, the spoon, however you want to describe it, before me. No matter what I do, everyone else is getting the spoon. Now, I saw this meme, this little video uh, recently that resonated with me this week. All right, take, take a look at this. This is hilarious. It's old, but it's been there, right? It's been out there. Right, that's what it's like. That's how we, what we feel like. Like we're mopping the ocean, right? right I'm fighting the best that I can. I'm, I'm following the strategy. I'm doing everything. I'm fighting the good fight. I'm doing my best. I have the mission. I know the mission. I'm repeating the mission, right? I know my steps. I'm taking the steps. And the whole time I'm yelling up at the heavens, how do I win this game? <laughs> how can I quit mopping the ocean? <laughs> can I even get a spoon? <laughs> now, I know that that's heavy. So let me, let me zoom out here for a second and restructure this. And let's, let's look at it like this, this, this tension. And when I married uh, my beautiful wife, Christina, I knew that I was getting a lot of things in Christina. Right, she, she's beautiful, and she's the smartest and most capable person that I know. And she has the best laugh in the history of the world. Right, when I lose her in a store, all I do is I seriously, I, I just listen for her to laugh, and I will find her. Because she's going to see something that's funny, she's going to start talking to somebody, and she's going to laugh. That's how I find a, a fun game of Marco Polo that no one knows that we're playing, right? I also know that I was marrying a woman who's from Cincinnati, all right, and loves all things Cincinnati, even Cincinnati's NFL team, the Bengals. Now, you're either a Bengals fan or a Cleveland's fan. Like, pick one. No. All right. 
Now, for the vast majority of our marriage, this did not really mean anything because the Bengals were not good. (laughs) They were awful. They were terrible. And then all of a sudden, last year, they came out of nowhere and they ended up in the Super Bowl. They lost, but at least they were in the big game, right? So two weeks ago, there was this really big game between Cincinnati and the Buffalo Bills. And the game was on Monday night, so we could actually watch it. And Christina was excited. I mean pumped, right? We had snacks even, right? And then the unthinkable happens. Many of you know the story by now, unless you've been living under a rock, as they say, right? Halfway through the first quarter, with five minutes and 58 seconds left, Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed after tackling Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. And after 19 minutes laying on the field, DeMar was rushed to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center and was treated for cardiac arrest. Right In the next couple of days, detail after detail after detail came out about those minutes and what followed in the hospital. DeMar, a, a 24-year-old kid, was hit at just the right angle. Right? At just the right speed, with just the right pressure, at just the right spot, during just the right moment of his heartbeat, that it made his heart stop. Right? They performed CPR. They used an AED machine twice. They even put a breathing tube in to his lungs on the field. Right? And they then they did all sorts of other stuff at the hospital for a few days. And then a miracle happened. All right, we, we know the story. We've been watching the news. He started recovering. Slowly but surely, he started showing signs of improvement. And then on Thursday of that week, just four days after his heart stopped, he woke up. Right? And do you know what the first thing he said was? Right? He said this, did we win? <laughs> did we win? Right? That makes, right? The man could not even talk, right? He literally had a breathing tube down his throat and could only write things out. And the first thing he said was, did we win? I'll talk about dedication to the game, talk about dedication to victory. But here's the thing, right? The the doctors answered wisely by saying this. They said, to answer you, Damar, the answer is yes, you won. You've won the game of life, right? You're alive, right? DeMar won for sure, right? right? He didn't just know what game he was playing, right? He won. He just thought he was playing a different game. He was playing for more than a bye week in the playoffs, right? He was playing for more than home field advantage in the playoffs, more than a city uh, that invented the chicken wings. He was playing for his very life. And I think that's really at the heart of our question. I think that's really at the heart of us screaming out and, and yelling and like, how do I win this game? Right? Because in reality, Founder Church, we are all probably looking to win at the wrong game. Ah, man, I'm just being honest, right? right? And this is me included. I'm, I'm right there too. Right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to tuck our toes in here for a minute because I'm going to step all over them. Right? We're hoping to take enemy ground at our job by getting a high-paying promotion. 
That's a win. That's our win. We're hoping to take enemy ground and have our kids get good grades in school. That is our main concern at any cost or, or for them to be a top athlete in their sport at any cost. We're, we're hoping to take enemy ground in our neighborhood by being the most likable neighbor or maybe being the quietest neighbor, <laughs> right, to be influential. Maybe, maybe all good things, but not in and of themselves. Because here's the thing, right? That's not the game that we're playing as disciples. It's not the game that we're playing as his church. The real game, the game that matters, right? The game that has eternal consequences, uh, that is the game that we play. That's the game that we're called into. Bigger than that other stuff. It might be good, right? But it's not the game that we're playing, right? Our game is about eternal life, life to the full, life that is forged on God, right? You, You see... I'm sorry to say it, but the enemy only cares about your promotion because it distracts you from the real game. Right? The enemy only cares about your kid being popular or valedictorian or the star athlete at all costs because it takes their focus away from the real game, forging their life on God. Right? The, the real game, the real victory foundry church, well, it's not found in us at all. Right? It's not about us at all. It's found in becoming more like the ultimate victor. It's about him being on display in our lives. Jesus, that's the real game. That's that's life to the full. That's the abundant life. Let me explain. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free for you to have, to use, to take. Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to be. That is where we're going to find some answers to peel this onion and make some rings with it. So as you're turning there, the past couple of weeks, we've been working our way around the book of Acts. Last week, we we heard the, the story of the birth of the church, our history, our legacy. After chapter 2, we pick up in chapter 3 with Peter and John healing a beggar healing this, this, this crippled man who's a beggar on the streets. He was lame from birth. And this amazing miracle led Peter uh, to preach another sermon. Well, actually, a few sermons. Now all the, the preaching had the Jewish leaders uh, more than a little upset at this moment where we're going to pick up in the story. And this is where we're going to look, verses 1 through 14 of chapter 4. All right, in your Bibles, read it with me. All right, Don't take my word for it. It says, and they were speaking to the people, the priest, and to the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Right? Referring to that miracle. Right? So the religious leaders gathered all these, these men, all right, arrested these guys 
for preaching and for healing this man. And they said, what power, by whose power, whose authority did you do this healing? Right? And who uh, authority are you preaching these things? Right, and then verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? All right, so if you're asking this, let it all be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified... Whom God raised from the dead by this man is standing before you well. Right? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Right? And now... When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Right? This, is, this is an amazing story, Founder Church. Peter and John, they should be celebrating. They should be going out for wings and beer, right? They had just healed a man and unable to walk for his entire life, but instead, right, they are grabbed from the stage or sidewalk or soapbox or whatever they were using to speak on top of, and they were taken into custody. They were thrown into jail. One of the commentaries that I said, um, that I read, put put the emphasis on the original language. It said that this. It said that they were they were stopped and seized, Peter and John, suddenly. Right. So it's like these religious leaders were like, "Enough is enough." Right. This this is getting out of hand. Right. These guys are garbage. We, they just grabbed them and they took them away. It's like when I'm watching a movie with Christina. And she asks me for like the 10th time, hey, who is that per- what, what movie is that person in? What other movie? Right? And she says it like a million different ways. Right? They're in another movie. What movie was that? Right? She, she goes on and on. And I look at her after like the 100th time. And I say, I don't know what movie they're in. We're watching this movie. Right? Let's be quiet and watch this movie. Right, but needless to say, right, I, I stopped the whole event. Pause. You know, right, enough's enough. That's what, these, that's what these religious leaders were doing to Peter and John. Right? And they ask this question when they get them out the next day in front of everybody. They say, by what power, by what name did you do this? Right, these, these Sadducees, which is like a, a group of religious leaders in the Jewish faith there, these religious leaders were like the Karens of their time. <laughs> Basically saying, who, who said you could do that? That's, what they're, that's what's going on here, right? They said, who said you could do that? Who said you could heal our people? Who said you could preach in the streets and baptize people and grow a church? Who said? Who said? Right? <laughs> and I love Peter's answer in verse 10. Right? Peter does not hold back. He lets them know in a no-holds-bar way, you asked for this kind of way. Right? Peter starts with the offensive. 
right off the bat. Right? He, he starts with the offensive fact that Jesus is from a particular local village that nobody expected any good to come from, that is Nazareth. Then he goes on to say that, that worse yet, this Jesus was less than a local nobody. He was such a menace in your eyes to society that you crucified him as a criminal. And then, right, Peter, he goes on, he adds to it. He says he's got a common name, Jesus, right? right Peter basically says, you want to know who healed this man, this crippled who's standing here beside us? Well, He's a no-count, small-town criminal from Nazareth that, oh, by the way, you killed. And he's not uh, that Jesus over there. He's the Jesus, the Christ, the Jesus from Nazareth. That is who healed this man, that very Jesus. And, oh, oh. You may have tried to kill him, but he rose from the dead. Right? This man, this stone, Peter says, that you threw away, that you put out in the trash, that you didn't think was good enough, well, he is the one who healed this man, that very Jesus. I mean, come on, Foundry Church. Right? right? I mean, you can talk, right? That's an amen moment, right? Just follow mom's lead. Right? right that could be the whole sermon. Right? Our whole gathering at the altar today. Right, Founder Church, I'm not, listen. You know, I'm not good at anything. I'm really not. I am am not smart, right? I'm I'm not good at anything, right? I can't do anything on my own. I can't get out of bed. I can't brush my teeth. I can't make the bed. I I can't love my wife. I can't take care of my family. I can't read a book. I can't be the friend that I'm called to be to my friends, right? I can't, I can't be your pastor. I can't serve my neighbor. I can't pray for the person that is on my lock. I can't even have a relation. You know the lock, right? I can't even have a relationship with that person, right? On my own. I, I, I mean, Foundry Church, I'm, if you... If I've ever made you think that I got it together, forgive me. Because I don't. Right? 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 You, you want to know who gives me the power to do anything, anything at all in this world? It's Jesus. Right? No matter how tough I think I am, and, and sometimes I think I'm pretty tough. I think I'm competent. Right? I, I, I think that I, I can pretty much force my way to doing anything, right? But I can't. And that's proven over and over again. I can't. It is Jesus, Foundry Church. Right? That one, the, the one who hung up on that cross and that he rose uh, from the grave and gave me a mission, a purpose, that Jesus. Right? The, uh, the statement is true for Peter who held, healed a lame beggar. Right? And it's a statement that is true for you too. Right, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom we crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by, by him we are standing before the God of gods, right? the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Just like that beggar. Man, he has given me a mission, he's given me my strategy, and he has given me victory, even when I don't know how I can win this game. Right, Jesus... That's it. And it's, not even, it's not even close, right? How, how do I win this game? Jesus. And Peter even said this, right? Look, look again at verses 12 through, through 13 there, right? 
I mean, this is just powerful stuff. He says, and there is salvation in no one else. In no one else can you get to heaven. Right? For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw, right, when those guys standing there, those Karens, the other religious leaders, this is the people, right, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, that there was nothing special about them, that they too couldn't do anything on their own, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And one of my favorite verses, Scripture. By seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Right? The proof is in the pudding, and the pudding standing right there. All right? <laughs> and now let me, let me address the elephant in the room. In a world of tolerance and pluralism, few truth claims taste as sour as this one. Right? Jesus is the only way to God. Right, Jesus is the only way to God. Right, just, just one name for 8 billion people? Sour, right? Uh, I, we're thinking just one savior for almost 7,000 different people groups around the world? Just one heavenward path for men and women, young and old, urban and rural, Asian and American, African and European, just one Name, one way to heaven, one person. But listen, remember that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was born into a world that was without. You remember those technical issues we were having? Well, this is where it happened. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the sermon. They're looking at Peter and John and they're like, man, okay, it's by that name. And there's no doubt that you've been by that person. Man, I love this so much. The priest looked at Peter and John and said, well, they ain't smart. (laughs) But clearly, they've been around Jesus. That is what the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit and knowing Jesus does to you. It forges you into something that is so evident, so bold, so undeniable, that everyone around you knows that you've experienced Jesus and that he's the Lord of your life. Right, there, there's a verse that's later on in the New Testament that says it like this. And this is, this is great. Right, and people, people, we miss this verse a lot. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 through 16 says this. It says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. That's everybody, right? Those who are saved, those who are perishing, right? To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. All right, who is sufficient for these things? For we're not, like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. For we are the aroma of Christ. Man, it literally says that we... We experience Jesus, that when we experience the power of Jesus and his name, that we smell like him. Right? That we take that smell with us wherever we go. Right? Right? And church just got weird, right? 
Right? Put on the deodorant of Jesus. Right? No, but we know, we know this concept, and that's what it's talking about, right? We understand this. For example, I, I could be outside walking out there before I come home, smoking a cigar uh, around the fire pit, and, or I could go into the cigar shop on the way home for like five minutes, and I get home. What's the first thing Christina says to me? You stink, <laughs> right? right? I, I could be in the store for three minutes, right? Come back out, get home, and she says, I stink. And then the first time that I see my mom, she'll say, I stink, Right? Right? And this continues everywhere I go all day until I take a shower because I was in the presence of cigars. Everywhere I go, people know it and people point it out. Right? We know this concept. Right? That is what happens when we truly experience the power of Jesus and his name. Right? No matter where we go, no matter how far, people know that we have been in his presence. It changes us to the very core. Right? It changes the way we smell. One might say it forges us. Right around here, one of the things that we say around here is if we achieve our mission, right? You know, guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God. That's just the way that we say that we're, we're fulfilling in our unique identity as a local outpost of God's kingdom, the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey these commandments as I have taught you. Right? If, if, we, if we achieve our mission, if we, if we step into our strategy to do that by, by gathering at the altar, by stepping up to the table together and going out to the square and telling these truths, right? If, if we do whatever it takes to forge ahead for the sake of one more soul, for that person that we wrote on our lock, right? right if, we, if we do that, we'll help every man, woman, and child that we know to become forged. That's, that's in part our vision, right? And every one of these letters right, represent what God's church built with the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus looks like in each person's life. Right? Every one of these letters represents what it looks like when we succeed in taking enemy ground, when we win at the game, when we play the right game. When we have victory in the name of Jesus. And real quick, just let me go through these letters, right? Right, focused on God's kingdom. That's the F, right? That means we're standing in the power of Jesus' name and we already have victory, that we are asking ourselves, how can I advance this mission today? How can I take enemy ground today, right? And then we have the O, owning your spiritual growth, right? Right, that's the O in forged, right? That's, that's saying, hey, no one else can own this for me. I got to own this, right? Victory comes only by you personally knowing that Jesus and personally forging your life on him, right? Your faith can't be your parents' faith. Your faith can't be your spouse's faith. It's your faith, right? You got to own it, right? And then you got to be responsible for inviting others, the R, right? And this is where it gets a little tricky, right? Because victory is always personal, right? But it's never private, just like faith, Right? You must personally know Jesus to share in his victory, but to know him fully is to want to invite others to know him too. And that's why we have names on our lock. That's why we're praying for someone this year that doesn't know, that who, they don't know Jesus, and we want them to know Jesus. Right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about with the lock, if you weren't here two weeks ago, please listen to the podcast. And then come back and grab a lock. Write a name on it. 
of someone who doesn't know Jesus that you're praying for, for them to become a follower of Christ. All right? When you meet someone who, who changes your whole life, like your spouse or a mentor or your favorite athlete or something, and you want, you want to, what you want to do is you want to show that person to the rest of the world. Right? Why would Jesus be any different? Right? Don't tell me you don't want to offend someone. Don't tell me that you, want to, that you don't want to scare someone away. Don't tell me that you don't know enough about him to tell other people about him. All you got to do is tell them what he's done for you. Right? So here's the truth. When, when you're going... When you know you're going to win the game, because victory's at hand, when you know that you're going uh, to win eternity because you know Jesus, none of the other stuff matters. Right? I mean, how much do you, do you have to not like someone to let them lose at life and death and eternity? Right? Don't be afraid. Right? Be responsible for inviting others. Right? How selfish are you that, that you would rather not be uncomfortable for a few minutes than to have someone in your life know the true power and victory of Jesus? I know that's tough, but it's the truth. All right? The G. Growing as a leader worth following. Right? This is where we ask ourselves, am I living a legacy? And I'm living in a way today that is helping me thrive tomorrow and that's going to kind of live as a compass to others, pointing them to Jesus, to this grace and to this truth. Then the E, am I embracing Christian community? Right? We talked about this last week, stepping up to the table. Who am I doing life with? Who's helping me? Who's standing with me in this battle as we take enemy ground shoulder and shoulder? as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. And then it's the D, developing a servant's heart. Right, being forged, right, is what it looks like when we win. Being forged is what it looks like when we stand shoulder to shoulder with your brother and we pray for them and their family. Being forged is what it looks like when you choose to read your Bible as more than just a fun story on Sundays. Being forged is what it looks like when you lead uh, your family in a Bible study for the first time and you don't just depend on, on Pastor Jim as a person discipling your children, right? Being forged is what it looks like when we sign up for Rooted, when we go to the Iron Council, or we join one of the women's small group, I don't know what they call themselves, as cool as the Iron Council, right? But you show up, right? Being forged is what it looks like when you're saying, I'm going to go to church every Sunday, and I'm going to be there for my brothers and sisters because we can worship together the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Being forged is what it looks like when you take that lock and you write someone's name on it and you share that, and you pray for that person, and you just lead them to Christ because you don't want them not to experience the grace and the truth of Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as they do, there's this picture here of the app. Now, if you don't have the app, right now I want everyone to pull out your phone. It's okay. You can pull out your phone. Pull out your phone and scan the QR code on the back of the chairs. Right? I'm not kidding. Do it right now. All right? All right, scan the QR code. Now, if you struggle with technology, meet Kirsten or Terry in the back. They will help you. They have the QR code on their back of their name tag. All right, scan the QR code. Download the app. If you don't have the app, you need to download the app. For first of all, this is where you sign up for everything. This is where you get information. There's a Bible on there. There's devotionals on there. There's a podcast on there. All kinds of stuff. This is how you sign up for baptisms. 
All the announcements are on there. You're going to want the app. But now there's also this little tab. You see it there, the third picture down that says Forged. All right, you click that. And you're going to do this today. Look at me. You're going to do this today. You're going to go on the app. You're going to click Forged. And when you click that, it's going to come up with just those letters. All right? The word Forged and what each letter represents. And you're going to pick one. Just one. All right? You're going to pick, I'm going to own my spiritual growth, the O. All right? And you're just going to put that in the little comment section there. It's right there. It's easy. All right? We can do this. I believe in you. All right? And you're going to say, hey, for the rest of the month, I'm going to pick owning my spiritual growth. And that means I'm going to grab a devotional on the way out and I'm going to start it. Because I said at the beginning of January, my New Year's resolution was going to read the Bible. But I haven't started yet. All right? Now, keep it simple, right? Maybe, maybe you know, you're thinking, I'm going to read the whole Bible by the end of the month. I'm going to, like, you know, become the next Billy Graham and preach a million sermons and lead a thousand people to Christ every day. All right? Just, just start with a devotional. All right? Whatever it is, maybe it's, it's realizing that you're responsible for inviting others to Christ and you're doing pretty good on all the others, but you know what? You have that, you've had that lock for the last couple of weeks and you haven't written a name on it because you, but you know that person's in your mind. You just haven't written their name on it because you don't want to get uncomfortable. Get over yourself. All right? Get uncomfortable. Hey, you don't got to be weird about it. You know what I did with my person? They were here this week. All right, I got them into church this week, mainly because I paid them to put together a foosball table or an air hockey table downstairs. Right? Right? I, right? I, that's all it was. I didn't, I, it wasn't time for me to, you know, bust out my Bible and be like, hey, you know, it's not where we were. It's not where we are in our, our relationship yet. He's not ready to hear that. Right, he's still keeping church at a distance. But I got him here. Right? He was here. Right? And maybe for you, just say, hey, that person, they're ready for a cup of coffee. And you talk about the Super Bowl. You don't got to overcomplicate this. You just got to be faithful. So whatever it is on those, those letters, you're going to fill this out. And you're going to you fill that out and you hit cement. And that comes to, that comes to me. And don't worry, I'm not going to put that up in front of the church and say, uh, you're going to grow as a leader worth following, and that means you're going to be healthier so that you can, you can you know, go out and disciple your kids better, right? I'm not going to tell that to the church, right? But I'm going to pray over it. And that's what I'm going to do for the rest of the month. I'm going to pray over what you're going to put on there today. Look at me. Today, you're doing it, all right? We're going to grow. All right? We're going to become forged. Listen, you know, these things, these are ebbs and, these things ebbs and flow. You know, I'm never all the way up here on all of them. All right? So pick one. Start there. Let's stand and let's worship together.